This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe and doing that thing that uh, the Skulk used to do. (laughs) I might still do it for all we know. Yeah, no idea. No idea. Uh, I'm Aaron uh, Bentley. I had to say that because I'm going to be burying Aaron Taub on this very episode. So want everybody to know. Uh, joined, as always, by my good friend Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What's up? Uh, I'm Epitasis. I'm not going to be burying any other Nates, to my knowledge, on this program. Um, what's up? Let's see. Very windy today. Do you have wind down where you live, Aaron? Well, I don't live in the windy city, my friend. <laughs> but you, but So you don't have wind? Uh, we do have wind. We do have wind. Okay. We also have, uh, we have bluegrass here, too. So it's not. Do you? Know, we do. Uh, when I lived in uh, Indiana, when I went to law school, it was so fucking windy because it was so flat, like in the winter, and I hated it. You have no hills. Um, the cities kind of create wind, wind corridors. Uh, yeah, in Indiana or in Indianapolis, really, you also have big open spaces. So you you there's places where you don't get any cover from the wind either. Yeah, like I just remember uh, walking from. Uh, the parking lot at the law school into the school was like the most miserable experience when it was really cold because it was so flat, completely open. Yeah, it would just, it would destroy me. That's it. That's our, that's the wind talk for this episode. Uh, we're also joined by Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal. Iron Am Spears. I back? You, you've all disappeared from me. I think mm- I'm here. So, okay. Now you're talking to Mike. Yeah. Yeah. You're, 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 you're good. You're good. Uh, you know, we do get wind up here, or rather down here, but it is up here in parlance of the mountains, but uh, not like that. Uh, Indiana is a wild state, like just straight up. It, it It's one of those things that I have ties to Indiana, which of course doesn't surprise you, Aaron, as you think I'm from everywhere, but it, it it's something that like the fact that Indiana is this windy state and Indianapolis is like... I, I feel like that whenever whenever like there are foreign movies or foreign media that like depicts a United States city that's not like a distinctive one, they automatically go towards Indianapolis. Like have y'all ever experienced that yourselves? That like it feels like Indianapolis is kind of like carte blanche like the US city. It's either that or Pittsburgh. Uh I don't know if I can think of a movie where Indianapolis uh features heavily. It just kind of seems that way. Like if if they right. don't, then they should. You know, I'm willing to go with it. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to think of something. Yeah, yeah. Remember when like the Dark Knight they used Pittsburgh for Gotham? Like I always thought that was kind of a weird choice. Sure. That, that that's just where my brain's at no, right now. Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises was Pittsburgh. Dark Knight was Chicago. That's right. They do the whole Wacker Drive thing. Oh. Okay. Yes. That worked. 
I saw them filming the the scene with the flipped semi. They flipped the semi and endways over long ways. Sure. Yeah, it was uh, Lollapalooza weekend. Oh, was it? Probably, probably, uh, probably the Lollapalooza where Daft Punk played. I think. Very busy weekend to be just filming flipped semi very, trucks. Very busy weekend. I saw um, fucking Werner Herzog's Rescue Dawn. Okay. I really, speaking of Lollapalooza, I really want to go to a music festival in September. What do you guys think is the possibility that I'm going to be able to do that? Uh, Feel pretty good about September. Yeah, seemingly more likely by the day. Yeah. It's outside, so I feel okay about that. Right, yeah. Uh, You brought up Daft Punk. Uh, Did y'all ever have, like, the liar kids in school? Like, have we talked about liar kids? Like, the kids who just make up shit, and it's just patently false? Because there was someone in my high school who claimed that Daft Punk was their parents and gave them up for adoption. <laughs> that's, so that's, that's too big of a lie. That's just, you're not even, not even approaching believability. If it had been, you know, Daft Punk is playing at my house, maybe could yeah. have some more success. LCD sounds system. Yeah. Like you might be able to get away with it, but like the idea of the logistics of someone being put up. Does this mean Daft Punk were in a relationship together i just remember that that this person thought that or was claiming that daft punk was their parents and they gave up for high school i didn't ask which one it was like hmm. I, I well i'm uh, you know next time i'm gonna have you to be ask you to be a little more uh, uh you know pressing and try to get down to these details yeah sure. where, where were your journalistic instincts mike well i was 15 and this was chemistry class and th- this might surprise <laughs> you all but Sciences, you know, I'm good with physics, but everything else of the sciences, the physical sciences, I am absolute trash at. I was, I was trying not to get set on fire, basically. Yeah, I was not good at the physical sciences. Um, chemistry might have been my lowest grade in high school, and our uh, teacher had a gimmick where if you fell asleep or were not paying attention, and I did tend to fall asleep in class, he would go into the lab room and come out with a vial of ammonia and go and put it under your face. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty funny. I thought it happened to me a few sure. times. Sure, yeah, seems aggressive. Yeah, I, I mean, I did have teachers that would throw erasers at me, like and chocolate, like the kids fell asleep. So, like that makes sense. I had uh, my not physics, but another science, another science teacher for sure. Uh, didn't throw an eraser at me, but did like slam his his yardstick. You know, every classroom had a fucking yardstick for some reason. Slammed that on my on my desk uh, and, and broke it in half and caused it to like go flying across the room, <laughs> and then immediately like was extremely regretful and like oh god <laughs> oh so so sorry I'm so sorry I really um, so I like couldn't even be mad about it. Um, the other the the probably less less funny thing. I mean, it's kind of funny in like a gallows humor way, but you know, uh, expose them is terrible. The thing my chemistry teacher did is uh, we were taking a test during the shock and awe invasion of Iraq. Uh, and he turned on the news coverage of the shock and awe campaign. Uh, and as all the bombs and things were exploding, he was going, ooh, ah, <laughs> like they were fireworks. <laughs> this was during a test. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I remember watching the, you know, the Colin Powell, like United Nations thing, uh, you know, trying to sell the the Iraq war. I remember watching that and my, I, I mean, no one's going to be shocked that, my teachers were like largely very conservative. And, uh, but you know, I was, no one will also be shocked by this. I was like the politics kid, 
in high school. So the right. teacher's like, oh, what did you think about that? And I was like, uh, kind of seemed like bullshit. And he's like, yeah, I thought so too. And so I just assumed everybody was going to think it was bullshit, you know? Because like, if this, if my high school teacher who literally gets his hair cut on the way before school every morning, if he thinks this is bullshit, then I think everybody's going to, but they, they didn't apparently. I, I, I kind of respect that somehow we have, and Adam is, I'm going to willing to make a proclamation here that all three of us had very intense feelings about the Iraq war in high school that we were proven eventually right. Some of us, you know, it was with a teacher who probably went in and got the Roger Stahl back every week. Yes, I, I did make a King Hill reference there. Or, <laughs> or or you could have the disgraced congressman call you an anarchist in front of your entire high school because you are against both that and the Patriot Act. Yeah, I was definitely uh, the weird. Uh, I had the the converses, and I had I had like in markers. I had written, you know, like you have your converses, and they're like white on the like right over your toes. And I wrote anti-war on the on the converses. Thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, we would not have been friends in high school. Um, <laughs> I think, in in retrospect, I was not cool enough to have been your friend. But at the time, I was like, I'm way too cool for that kid. Sure. Yeah, I was the definitely the. I have uh, opinions and I have thoughts and uh, I'm going to share them with you for sure. <laughs> I regret all of that very much. Okay. Well, if you, <laughs> if you want to know more about uh, our lives in high school, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron, like the car. Uh, Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Heya. I got to do different patter on my two podcasts because I, I was about to give Taylor Mainberg's Twitter account there, which Feel not free. Hey, do it. He's at Tay Mambo. Uh, it's, it's a good account. So yeah, uh, uh, follow that. Case Lowe's at underscore in your case. Uh, Nate, do you want to? Do you have anyone? Any other podcasts? Uh, co-hosts that yeah. you want to plug while we're at it? Andrew Rich is at Andrew T Rich. <laughs> <laughs> I shouted about on Twitter. So Big shout there. out to ATR on the on the Twitter account tonight. Big shoddy ATR. <laughs> uh subscribe to the podcast you can just search up everything elite on whatever podcast app you use make sure you get these as soon as they come out now it's late on wednesday nights uh no that's not true that's only this version comes out late on wednesday nights uh on thursdays they come out give us a five-star rating and a review if you use the apple podcast app and if you want to support the show the very best way to do so is to head over to patreon.com slash everything elite uh and subscribe Okay, we will uh, start the substantive part of our show. It's all substantive, but we'll start this part of our show uh, as we always do. Nate, I'm going to go to you as we play Elite or Delete. What was your favorite thing from tonight's show? I really, um, really had the plan to decide what Elite was going to be during the opening pattern, but then started talking about high school. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with, I, I thought they did a really as good a job as you can do uh effort at making the explosion that wasn't on the pay-per-view work in their favor they used it to pretty strong effect uh in the kenny omega segment and uh importantly they used it to establish kenny and don as the heels in that situation um and and rather than you know getting it twisted and, and making the company the heels uh which was wise they and then, of course, the the John Moxley Eddie Kingston promo at almost the top of the show uh, was pretty great. The, uh, good, good. Um, I don't know camaraderie there with the two of them. Just a good vibe 
to that pairing. Eddie, of course, best on interviews 2020, on track for best on interviews 2021. Uh, said that Kenny Omega is the Joker uh, and John Moxley is the Batman. Uh, he has a Joker chain. Feel like that's worth mentioning again. Uh, yeah, you know, it was it was a a dud of an ending to a great match on a pretty good pay per view, uh, and that was unfortunate. But I think they came out here with the best effort they could have made to to correct it. I didn't see the impact promo with Tony Khan where I, I did he did he own it? Did he take an L? Did anybody see it? He didn't really take an L on it. Like okay. it wasn't one of his strongest promos from what i remember but it was one of the ones where it just kind of was like yeah you know like the fireworks must have been impact fireworks you know which you know kind of you know kind of like tied together at least that portion of it i guess like i i think that they did a really successful job with this i felt like that they were put into an unfortunate situation it has come out later that we now know that it was because they had a third-party services do the rigging for this, and the third party was like, well, we did the job. We're not taking ownership of this. And it's something where I felt like that the two sides of the angle both have done enough, I feel like, to rehab it in a way that I felt like was uh, completely... I don't want to say, like... I don't want to say like it rehabilitated it, but it did make Eddie and uh, John Moxley look fine in this. And then of course, Eddie has the ability now to like, if you, he's cut a promo on a cookie on uh, Sour Patch Kids, of course he can cut a promo and make this make sense. So it was able to do that. But then also the idea of uh, Mox or sorry, uh, Kenny Omega and Don Callis basically stating, were we able to, we were able to pull one over on both of you because, Hey, it was a win-win for us. I have an MBA. I understand what that means. I feel like that that was really kind of, uh, I, I feel like that was really kind of a smart way of saying like, we won because we made you into looking like assholes. And that w with Kenny's and crazy fit and Kenny's promo, I mean, he's really tapping into that Danny McBride energy that I love in a heel. So I, yeah, I, I feel like that they did as well as one could hope for in rehabilitating an angle that, you know, kind of became a mockery on Sunday night. This isn't uh, terribly novel, but it's like one of AW's main, main strengths is being able to acknowledge when something is bad and trying to figure out a way to pivot from it to make it good instead of uh, digging their heels in and saying, no, actually, the idea we came up with was good. And if anybody's mad about it, it's their fault. Now, they did apparently drop to uh, Sean Ross Sapp serve tall that it was a third party's problem and not theirs you know to make sure nobody knew they fucked it up uh but i just kudos to them for not only figuring out a way to pivot but doing it in an entertaining way and figuring out how they were going to go from there into clearly what was their next plan story uh but without like being like oh no we have to keep it within these parameters like no we can kind of mix it up a little change what we were going to do and it still worked uh, so, yeah, I mean, basically, I just agree. It was excellent. Thank you for agreeing. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, uh, the the Eddie promo up top was, I think, especially uh, remarkable because, like Mike said, we know he can promo on whatever the fuck. But here was him promoing on something we all know to be ridiculous because we were all there and we saw it. And he still comes across as very real and very genuine. So it's like, oh, it's not just that Eddie, like, 
you know, uh, uh, genuinely, uh, you know, had a hard knock life or whatever. And that's why he's able to cut these uh, amazing promos about, you know, getting in street fights or whatever. Like, he's also just like a great performer. Like, he's a great actor. <laughs> uh, and that, that I think, came through in that segment. But also willing to, like, okay, he does this whole thing in the first promo about how, well, this really reminded me of this other time I was terribly anxious, and so it caused me to, like, have a moment, uh, which is which is fine. But then Kenny makes fun of that yeah. in his promo in a way that was, I mean, like, it's easy for me to imagine that that was Eddie's idea, you know, of like, okay, well, now you should, like, turn it back on me. But in a way that really helps Kenny out, makes Kenny look like more of a heel uh, and adds, you know, ratchets up the the heat and the segment. Yeah, that maybe was the the best little detail um, that Eddie, you know, presented himself as like vulnerable and like sympathetic as, as this baby face in this moment. And says, you know, what? that's just the truth. You can laugh at me, whatever. And then what does the heel do? Comes out and, and says, yeah, I'm going to fucking laugh at you, man. Yeah, it was great. It's like fucking pro wrestling, man. Rules. Uh, yeah, you make a great point about Eddie just being an excellent performer in just like every way. It's um, kind of sad now to think about like all the years we missed of Eddie being able to be like a high level perform performer on a, a major stage. But of course, he would have been uh, not used well or or at all. In yeah. place off in a boiler room. He would have been jerking <laughs> off in the boiler room for sure. It, it, it's also something with him that like he had like half hearted attempts at bigger stages like before TNA and that kid should have been in the street, which we know that was one of the few great things and impact that has done over the last ever but you know uh outlaw inc and ring of honor just was dead on arrival chakara like he was not like he was a part of chakara and he was the best promo in chakara but he was never really like the emphasis other than winning the title after larry sweeney passed away so like this it's a shame that like he lost all those years but i feel like in a way you and I, and I don't want to say this in a way that I'm like diminishing his struggle. The struggle like makes him now so much more authentic and so much more believable. So having him and Moxley sit in front on a patio in front of a mini uh, fire pit drinking whiskey and just kind of yucking it up like knuckleheads from the old times. It just kind of it feels very it feels very very authentic. And it's something that I don't think could have happened if he was just getting the spotlight there for better and for worse. Yeah, and in a sick uh, DMX hoodie that Patrick Cosmos and I tried to track down, but it's sad to say it's all sold out everywhere, folks, so you can't pick it up. Uh, Mike, your Elite pick for this week's episode. So I'm going off the board here. Uh, this was a fever dream of an episode. Like, straight up, this was probably one of the more bizarre episodes of Dynamite that they've had to date outside of the Rick and Morty part where they had... Uh, they pickle Rick to the audience and they had JR say the, the phrase, but just like the weird production issues that I usually rail against kind of made a match just seem like completely bizarre. And that led right into Maki Ito, like refusing to stop singing her entrance name and everything pretty much from like the start to the end, like has like this weird or at least for me. It has like this weird, like magical realism to it in this episode. I know I used to talk about that a whole lot, but this really had some magical realism energy going through it. And, you know, all in all, it was something that like I, when we were talking about the show, uh, Aaron, 
this morning. We were like, we don't really know a whole lot of what's going on here. They only had four matches posted, and it was going to require some heavy lifting on some of those matches, and most of the matches were mostly fine. Like, the main event was, I think, the strongest match on the show, and I think that that's something that is not a controversial opinion, but a lot of the other stuff they had going on in this show, like... Lance Archer came out just to interrupt Sting saying, hey, I want to do something and left, and then Sting left. Like, that's just, like, a insane thing to happen on TV. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, this was a... I had a great time. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, the one, I think, standout thing that set this uh, episode apart in terms of weirdness or whatever is probably the tremendous Maki Ito spot where she comes out, for her match they're playing her music but you know the match gets underway while she's on the stage they cut her music she continues to sing her song and may i add is fucking locked in on the pitch uh which is no no easy feat in general singing live um may you know maybe she had an ear monitor so she could still hear a, a, a guide track or something but was fucking locked in singing acapella uh for a bunch of wrestling fans on national television uh and that was tremendous just did a great job of establishing her character and, and who she is and what's important to her, uh, despite, you know, the language barrier and not, you know, being able to cut uh, fluent promos in English and shit. Uh, and, you know, it's not like the women get a ton of time to cut promos anyway. Uh, but that was just, they, they really distilled that into just a great introductory sequence for people that, you know, are not familiar with her, which is, you know, you presume 90 for 96 98 percent of the audience on television yeah i would love to know whose idea that was because whoever it was and maybe it was maki's but whoever's idea it was like as you said totally understands her character and it was like a brilliant way to uh to introduce her i was trying to think if i had if i'd seen them do that previously like if that was a spot she'd done in a tokyo joshi pro show uh and it didn't didn't ring a bell of course um you know she would she would do the spot where she'd come out and and do her song and then yell at individual audience members when they weren't cheering loud enough or whatever. I'd like to see her do that again. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, that seemed fresh to me. Yeah, it was great. Okay. My elite pick, I was probably going to talk about Makito, but now I've already done it. I'm going to shout out uh, this little story they set up between uh, Pentagon and Cody. I thought this was very cool. Uh, you know, whatever. Cody does his little squash that lets him do a promo after. That's that's Cody stuff. Uh, but then I just did not expect Pentagon of all people to to show up uh, to you know get involved with Cody. And then he did this cool thing where he did like part of the promo in Spanish, and then he took over in English, and that was cool. And then just like a classic pro wrestling face versus heel thing of like saying something about the guy's kid. And uh, Cody, like, believably got fired up about it, and they brawled. I think it's a little weird that they're setting this up just for a match next week. It feels like it could be a bigger match uh, to me. You could build it a little longer. Uh, but it was definitely a cool story, and it's something that got me hyped up and I wasn't expecting. So, elite! Yeah, I would hope this is part of a larger Pentagon singles push, and it seems like that's their intent because they put him in that ladder match as a single um and specifically and called attention to that so that's great um yes i mean there were a lot of angles on the show part of the some of the excitement for this show was hey it's the television episode after a pay-per-view we're going to shuffle the deck a little bit a lot's going to happen we're going to get some new matchups and some new stables or whatever and that's like you know there's a base level excitement for that 
a bunch of the angles on this didn't like hit me like, oh, I really want to see that. Like, oh, that, you know, that those two guys against each other. Hell yeah. I'm so glad they're going with Archer versus Sting or whatever. Like, you know, that that's cool. Uh, but Pentagon and Cody was like, okay, here's something we can sink our teeth into. We know Cody's important. It is going to stay important. It is going to be featured. Uh, and I'm very glad to see Pentagon opposite him and getting a chance to like promo and shit opposite him. Um, I do. They have to find the perfect pattern for how they're going to do these Spanish language promos for Pentagon and Phoenix. I think those guys can, they're great promos in Spanish. Pentagon is great promo in Spanish and you don't fucking need to know what he says. Um, maybe you want to translate a little bit of it, but you don't want to be going back and forth with the translator or whatever. I think that's awkward. Just let him fucking say his shit and be extremely cool. Uh, and then, you know, give it to Abrahantas to, to hit the important points or something. Um, and yeah, Phoenix, the same way, like he can promo. And when he promos in English, like it, it just comes across as, is more authentic and heartfelt. I think uh, the, 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 the non-fluency or not being a native speaker kind of works to his advantage that way. Um, but yeah, this was, this was one angle feud story where I'm like, okay, here we go. Let's fucking go. And it's something that I think when the company has done, uh, personality packages has done talking head stuff with people who are not fluent in english they would do subtitles and they let them speak in their native language and it comes across a lot more authentic so i like the idea of having alex abrahantis there and being able to like summarize things but there's probably a way that they could do it in a way that's a little bit more into the flow i guess like it's a great concept and the angle rock like the idea that pentagon was on commentary uh, on spanish commentary and just stands up wearing this crazy suit looking sick as hell pulling abrahantis with him it's like you translate for me was a really rad thing and it's something that i think allows people to keep like what it what makes them special in a way so and it's something that like their vibe comes across and it's something that i would hope that that they had michael nakazawa do some of that for the japanese speakers previously and it's something that I'd like to see them continue doing. I, I think it does provide a certain flavor and a certain authenticity that you don't often get in major American wrestling. And storyline-wise, I just keep on looking at this as, hey, Pentagon's going to break his arm in kayfabe, and there we go. He's going to go on paternity leave. But the way they executed it and just did a quick build to next week, I mean, I fet like that that, that was like, one of the quick builds that they knocked it out of the park here. Like it's something that it's not a match that necessarily I'm going to be like throwing snowflakes on or remember in six months, but it's, but it's a nice little program that they instantly heated it up and they provided enough interest for people to seek their teeth into. It, it also feels like Cody working with somebody outside of like his guys. You know what I mean? Like Cody in, in this promotion has been largely programmed opposite you know, guys that kind of fit like the Cody mold or vision of wrestling or whatever. Whereas Pentagon is like, no, I'm fucking Pentagon. I'm the crazy motherfucker luchador. Um, he, you know, it, it Cody and like Brody is like, oh yeah, you know, XWWE guys. Um, Cody and Pentagon is like just more exciting because it, it, it feels like Cody's out of his comfort zone a little bit. Yeah, even though they work for the same company, when I like it started to come together, I was like, "Oh, this feels this is very interesting. I would not have predicted this." Yeah, right. Like your guy Cody kind of feels like he's in his own zone a lot of the time. Yeah, even like 
Cody and Darby kind of had that feeling at first of like, oh, you know, you just kind of wouldn't see it. But I guess Cody's like was like a Darby fan. So I guess that made sense. This does feel the first time that it's like, oh, Cody's and maybe he is. But it's like, oh, Cody's not picking his opponent. It's just like they've decided this is the the next place to go. So, yeah, it's cool. Listener Elite uh, picked this one because, you know, we just passed International Women's Day. Chelsea says Elite. Positive male friendships like the Dark Order and Adam Page or Eddie and Moxley. Just a real uh, Dudes Rock episode, and Chelsea picked up on it, so I decided to uh, go with it. I have Dudes Rock muted on Twitter. I had enough. I had enough of Dudes Rocking. You can't mute me. Um, you you, You can go in and do it to apply to everyone and not only people outside your following. No, I'm saying you can't mute me on this oh. podcast. Um, I can turn off my headphones. That's almost the same. <laughs> and then I'll just I'll just talk, and you guys <laughs> can make visual cues at me, and I'll be like, nope, can't hear you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's turn into uh, the things we didn't like from the podcast. So I'm from the podcast. Fuck. I don't want to hear what you didn't like from the podcast. Nobody tell me. I don't care. Uh, Nate, what did you not like from this episode of wrestling television? Um, did either, did either of you lay claim to Ethan Page already? No, he he didn't even make the list. Okay. Uh, I mean, Ethan Page was fine. The, you know, he got a little inset promo. That's fine. The match was like, kind of made me confused as to where he is in the pecking order because it was a pretty long match with a guy who's been a job guy up until this this point. Um, I'll, I'll leave aside the production issues because on fight, I had none. My audio was fine throughout the whole thing, so there was nothing there. Um, but, you know, he, he attacks Lee Johnson after the match to, like, establish that he's a heel, I guess, and to give QT Marshall this opportunity to not make the save. Uh, and, you know, there was just nothing to the attack whatsoever. <laughs> it's just doing, like, little wrestling school stomps to the guy while he's down uh it 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 didn't do anything for me and it was the same thing that scorpio sky did later um and you know they they have these ideas and they just like load them up a bunch on the same show same thing with lance archer interrupting sting and then kenny omega interrupting christian it's like that's you it's literally the same exact same setup uh and tony shivani called attention to it um i don't know just give those some more breathing room and then like I've said, they're all more effective when there's just a little bit of breathing room between them. Uh, but yeah, you know, my my complaint on these shows is almost always going to be that the wrestling matches are too long, and Ethan Page versus Lee Johnson was too long for where I assume they want Ethan Page to be. Uh, and then you know, just a, just of all the angles on this show, Ethan Page laying the boots to him uh, and and QT Marshall walking off was, uh, I guess, the flattest. It, it it's something that I'm gonna have to take your word for it, Nate, because YouTube TV had the really sick audio thing, which like like just added to the uh, the magical realism of the show to me whatsoever. So like I was trying to watch the match as I was hearing defense chants, and then ain't no mountain high enough, and I was like, this is, I I, I honestly that might have been the Ethan Page match I've most enjoyed in my life. Just because, like, I was just, I was vibing. I was vibing with this. Like, like they you said, more... you said, ain't no mountain high enough on the account on Twitter. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? Ain't no mountain high enough. Where does that come from? So, there was that. Uh, okay, there was now that all, makes sense. There was that. There was all the lights. 
it was just tremendous oh, time. We got we got the original all of the lights. Yes, we did. Yes, we oh, did. I, I I presaged it. The DM today. <laughs> you did. I badly want to know. Like, it does AEW have to pay for the rights for these uh, songs that came on during this? And like, it's... who is going to write that check? I... I'm sure TNT. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's definitely TNT satellite or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely was something where like the streams crossed and like literally the streams crossed and it was wild. But yeah, Ethan Page and this company, it's something that like we had a while to prepare ourselves for, but I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, like that's the thing. Like, I, I was more bothered. I was more like, okay, Lee Johnson actually was made out to look less of a scrub in this than I anticipated. Like, I thought this would be like a one of. I thought he would be getting Seth Gargas, to be quite honest. So, it just kind of was there. And then it's like, okay, are you going to be allied with like QT Marshall? And QT Marshall is going to play his own version <laughs> of Josh Alexander here. I don't know. But, I, but, I, but you're here now, Ethan Page, and now I have to deal with you on a weekly basis. I, I do like the idea of QT Marshall as like the evil nightmare family with Mr. Freak Beast because <laughs> Mr. Freak Beast, like just being in his like uh, psych ward coat, uh, but just like being otherwise normal behind QT Marshall <laughs> is very funny to me. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I should be like, oh, that's cool. They gave Lee Johnson a bunch of offense or whatever. But it's also like they want to, they do a lot of long wrestling matches because their belief is that, you know, people want to see wrestling and that's when people tune away when the, camera is not on the ring showing a wrestling match but with brand new ethan page and established job guy uh lee johnson are you keeping those eyeballs i don't know that, that that's that's a lot to ask it's a little bit like the preston vance uh and max caster match the other week where it's like i like both these guys i think both these guys are going to be going places and it's really good to see AEW like not shy away from giving them them spots and time but Maybe too big a spot and too much time. I think I've decided just not to talk about Ethan Page until he just really pisses me off. I think it's it's going to mute the impact of that if I just every week I'm like, fuck, I hate Ethan Page. So <laughs> I'm just going to hold it off. Um, all right, I'm just going to go on to Mike then. Mike, your least favorite thing from this week's episode. So long matches, guys. Let's talk yeah, about the God. the completely competent, but we were living in the worst timeline of having Phoenix versus uh, Matt Jackson. When you have these four wrestlers like engaging in a feud, Phoenix versus Matt Jackson is probably like the match. I'm like, you know, maybe maybe that's gonna be fun. Like I don't expect it to be bad, but maybe fun. But you could have had another Phoenix versus Nick Jackson match, Nick Jackson versus Pack. Pack versus Matt Jackson, which they probably could have worked at, at like a rate that I think could have been interesting. But instead, we had 15 minutes of Matt Jackson, uh, uh, allegedly, according to the Chiron, his first singles match in over 1,600 days. So probably his first singles match since the uh, best of the Super Juniors. I don't care when it was. Don't at me. But it just kind of like, it was there. It was fine. Phoenix did cool stuff with it. But then like Matt Jackson doing back selling. And it's just like, oh, okay. I know why Nick Jackson's the one that always has the singles matches, and I know which one I think it. And, and it's kind of weird to say this because I do think the Young Bucks are one of the uh, best tag teams of all time. It's like, oh, I think I've now really figured out who's the better Jackson brother at the end of this because a 15 minute Matt Jackson match was just, 
you know, uh, talking about wanting to do long matches to entice viewers, like leading off the show there. That's a bold move there. We'll see how that pays off tomorrow. I thought it was good. I thought it was pretty good. My my main thought on it was, oh, you know, I think we probably underrate Matt Jackson as a wrestler in addition to underrating him as a promo guy. Um, certainly, Nick Jackson is like the better flyer, exciting, kinetic, you know, cool kicks and uh, and flips and shit guy. Uh, but I, I, you know, have always expected or suspected that Matt Jackson is the smarter and funnier Jackson. Uh, so I kind of think... I would credit him for like the young bucks match flow and psychology always being so strong. Um, but yeah, you know, I, 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 what I have complained if it was three minutes, four minutes shorter, no, probably would have been more effective. Uh, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I don't see all the, the Mookie metrics that the people in AEW do, but to me, it just seems like an eight minute match where they just go balls to the wall and do like a bunch of crazy shit is like more exciting to watch and is going to make me more likely to stick around to see what else they have to do. Like, I know it's, it's really hard for any of us to try to think about like, okay, what would this be like if I were not someone who watched wrestling like way too much uh, in my life and talked about this constantly? Uh, so it, it is hard to say, but I'm like, you know, zoning out of this match uh, pretty quickly. So I don't know. I just kind of assume that's true for others, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't have done this for sure. Hey, Phoenix won. Yeah, that was good. They uh, they heard my complaints that they were beating Phoenix too much and have given him two wins now, right? Oh, oh, wait, Nate. Speaking of things they did uh, multiple times on this show, Phoenix and Thunder Rosa used the same finish. <laughs> oh, yeah on this show i also thought they were going to redo the the spot where uh 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 lee johnson got hurt and then ethan page just attacked him viciously because he's a heel anyway they're basically ran that back in the derby match again oh yeah uh, yeah and i was like hmm, yeah you thought of that idea and now you're just gonna use it everywhere very cool uh okay my pick i'm just gonna do the easy one uh the five horsemen it sucks it's bad um this was like this whole angle was bad in that I think they think the Jericho Sammy unit was were baby faces in this yes. in this angle, but they did like nothing to actually establish them as baby faces. And you could tell this by the fact that the crowd just could not re they had no interest, did not react because they were like, Well, who the fuck am I supposed to cheer for? Very strange. Well, I, I think it's pretty clear that Sammy is a baby face and has been been a babyface since he's been programmed opposite MJF. Um, yeah, but he can't babyface Jericho just boom like that. Well, no, but Jericho, you know, is a big star and people want to like him anyway. So you have him opposite a bigger heel and he's basically a de facto face. I mean, when they did MJF versus Jericho the first time around, Jericho was the face there. So uh, I'm surprised that you didn't like this that much because I think you liked the episode and this was like the main event and big thing on the episode kind of. I liked the episode a lot. I thought it was A, they turned around the explosion thing. B, they've got, you know, whatever, 11 weeks to a new pay-per-view and they immediately set in motion some new angles, uh, some new stuff that we can get excited about. Um, and C, they set up a really cool... Um, women's angle that's going to you know they keep building on that women's angle that's going to be in the the main 
event uh, on next week's show that doesn't have anything to do with the title. So I feel like they did a lot of cool stuff here. But this was definitely the low <laughs> part of the episode for me because it's just like, all right, I like, I'm glad that something's finally happened with Inner Circle. That's good. Uh, but the only way you could make FTR, Spears, and Tully less interesting to me is to add MJF to it. It's like, uh, who gives a fuck? Well, so that's that's my defense. If I'm playing devil's advocate of this, um, first of all, they 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 took the angle in a direction that I was not expecting, but still kind of makes sense, which is a nice thing in wrestling, right? Like they did a did a lights out and lights back on surprise that was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. I'm genuinely surprised, but it's not just a swerve to swerve me. It's like, okay, sure, you know that computes that MJF would be scheming with this other thing behind the scenes. Uh, but I think the real advantage and bright spot of this is it puts all the people we don't like in one unit. So it, the, it's going to condense all of their ring time and angles and stuff into one segment on the show. So the FDR segment is the same as the Sean Spears segment, the same as the MJF promo. Uh, and it just condenses it all in a satisfying way. Now, am I going to call that like actually good? Uh, I'm I'm skeptical. You know, I, yeah. I do think MJF's been better in this in this Jericho angle, but it, to make this really work for me, and it seems like maybe they had the right idea by Jr.'s commentary. If this is just a vehicle to get Wardlow over as the top guy of this in this stable, and everyone else is just Wardlow's little sidekicks, then I'm fine with it. That's good to me. Well, well, see, I was going to say that the thing that irritates me about it the most, and you know, maybe this will turn out to be a good thing in the end, is like. I don't think it's just us. I think you can feel the crowd wanting to cheer for Wardlow, like wanting to see Wardlow turn on MJF. Oh yeah. He's Batista. He's, he's Dave Batista. Yeah. We're, we're all dying for that. And I'm like, fuck, this looks like, you know, six more months of, and I know I'm the guy who comes on here and is like, can't you drag this out a little longer? Sure. No, I'm like, give it to me now. Yeah. It, it's something that like, there was a moment where the crowd was behind inner circle as faces. And that was before the reveal when they all had MJF in the corner and the crowd started to chant, beat him up. And, and, and like they had the opportunity there to kind of like do that, but like you would probably have needed them to start attacking him and then do the lights out to cement that. And so you can get any sort of reaction, but then you still have some, then you have like the Wardlow problem and Hey, who was the first person aboard the Wardlow train? It was my your old pal Mike Spears here. I love the Wardlow, always have, always will, and he's gonna come out as a star here. But it does kind of. I think feel we gotta like, we gotta check the tapes. I, was was Mike out ahead of anyone else on this, Aaron? Um, I don't know. I know he did get on the Wardlow Day thing pretty early, but okay, I can't but say I, whether I, he was I did coin Wardlow Day, so oh, he didn't okay. get well, on it earlier than fair. I did. That's fair. I didn't remember that. I, that, I was a, not... that, was a, that was a Twitter poll I put up and said, is today Wardlow Day? Because okay. we were wait, waiting to see if Wardlow was ever going to show up. And sure enough, that was Wardlow Day. <laughs> I'm willing um, to believe that. Anyways, but as I was saying, like there, there was like like moments that like this could have felt effective in some fashion and could have done this. Now, is it something that fans that aren't necessarily as dialed in are going to be more adapted to like, okay, yeah, no, Jericho's a face now. Or yeah, no, this all makes sense here. Possibly. But you like look at like this and now you have the original inner circle versus the the outer circle, as you were calling it. And it's just something that's just like, it's just kind of feeling like it's something to either like keep 
Jericho busy in a way that brings down the younger and often more talented wrestlers that are attached to him. Like Samuel Guevara felt like that that upon his return could have been like a big deal babyface now, right? Like the way that he stormed out and the way that he was cool as hell about Impact, he could have came back in and could have been like up to the level of like the next super, be like a next superstar in this company. Like the machine could have gone burr there, and now he's kind of lumped in in this as well. Wardlow is just someone that we all know that the crowd and everyone wants to get behind Wardlow because he's a handsome dude who does cool shit, and we don't have the opportunity yet because he's he's lumped in with all of this as well. And then and then like Santana and Ortiz, the most underrated act in the company, has been saddled with this now for coming up on two years, like like pretty much I like come up in two years, and it's something that's it's hard to be super enthusiastic about it when like you have these people who could be coming out of the inner circle coming out of like this the this like orbit and be elevated a lot higher but instead they're gonna be saddled doing this for like at least i'm going to assume until double or nothing yeah i i I don't think you're wrong on sammy I, i think this does not feel like a big step forward for sammy in particular i kind of think it's fine for Jericho and Hager and and Santana and Ortiz, mostly because I think people have been wanting to cheer the inner circle. Now, this was definitely a face turn for the inner circle because they got laid out by a bigger heel group. Um, And I I think people are going to be eager to be able to be like, yeah, you know, inner circle, Santana, Ortiz, Jericho, those guys are cool. I'm happy to cheer them now. I think that's kind of the right trajectory for heel successful heel stables right is eventually they get so good that everybody just wants to cheer them um so i i think it's kind of fine in that regard uh except yeah I, you know sammy is obviously not coming out of this as a next big single star or something he's he's back in kind of the same spot he was in but now it's baby face and i think there's kind of you know more that they can do there with like santana ortiz as baby faces in the tag division like if they do that that you know i don't know that they will um it, yeah i think the problem if the problem of this is you know uh that the heel unit involved is sean spears and ftr and, and Tolly blanchard they they do still have a chance here to make jericho and hager split from sammy and santana and ortiz and they could be the uh the major you know face group that comes out of this and you can do a a sammy mjf or i'm sorry a sammy jericho match at some point, I'm not sure that that's the direction they're going, but you still could uh, salvage that big Sammy uh, babyface singles kind of run. Yeah, th- it feels like they're just going straight inner circle babyface. Yep. I mean, I, yep. I, if I want to do on Wardlow, if there's another, you know, uh, uh, sliver of hope to hold on to there, they did give him the big spot of doing his finisher to Chris Jericho and everybody calling attention to it. So that did pretty firmly put the focus on him. I think like, I, I don't know what FDR did in that entire segment. Everybody was looking at Wardlow. So, you know, I, I think that's probably the, the upside of this is, Hey, maybe this is where we move it. Uh, you know, get behind Wardlow as a guy in this stable now. All right. Our listener D lead, I kind of cheated here. Uh, our, our patron KY says Don 69, me both his or both their elite and delete. <laughs> Yeah, that was, uh, I did laugh. <laughs> I laughed too. Mostly, it, it was just a good specific to call back to because the, the visual from the pay-per-view was 
so silly and awkward that you know call attention to it acknowledge it make a joke out of it uh right yeah. thing to do but also gross to look at yes all right well let's run down the show only uh, because it's don Callis, not for any other reasons if it was yes. kenny and kota Bushi, you know i don't want to no yeah it was just it was just funny i mean it's just nothing else to say about that just funny uh opened up the show of course with fedex and matt jackson although i'm enjoying this uh, long-standing thing of, of Nate thinking he said an unwoke thing and trying to fix it. It's yeah, a very what's, enjoyable running what's, bit. What's been my worst one of those recently? Was it talking about Pakistan on the Patreon? No, well, maybe, but it was the one... Uh, <laughs> the gender reveal one, yeah. The gender reveal one. That was the best one that I that I enjoyed. All right, well, tune in next week, folks. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what Nate fucks up next time. Hey, All right. Uh, no, you had you had a bad one that I think we just added out of the show, right? <laughs> I don't know. Don't mention it now. I don't. I don't. <laughs> don't remind anyone. But yeah, probably. Oh no, no, we left it in. It was about the the Confederacy winning. Anyway. Hey, don't bring. Come on now. <laughs> oh yeah. Just, wow. Nate, I see. It this was is what I get for making fun of Nate. Hey, come for the king. He buries my ass. <laughs> All right, Phoenix versus Matt Jackson was the opener. Phoenix won with the Fire Thunder driver. Uh, and then we had Eddie with Mox. I think we've pretty well covered uh, those parts. Uh, Cody versus Seth Gargas. Cody won with the figure four. Now, uh, then, who is his trainer, by the way, Aaron? That would be Gangrel. Just making sure. Yeah. David Heath. Nice. Nightmare Warrior. Get, Jim Ross again was like, David Heath, that's his real name. <laughs> <laughs> which he did, which he did previously, like, aka David Heath. And I was trying to figure out why the fuck he made such a big deal about him. I was like, does he think that White Wolf still has the exclusive rights to Gangrel? And I Gangrel guess. didn't acquire those rights? Yeah. That's the only sense I could make out of it. It's just funny. It's just funny. The Nightmare Warrior, the Miami booty shaker. I have, I have no idea for sure. Uh, yeah. And this led into the, uh, the Pentagon and, and Cody angle. Then we got. Uh, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy in an arcade. Chuck's standing in front of the NFL Blitz uh, machine. He says uh, that they want one more match and, with Miro and Kip, of course. And if Miro and Kip win, Chuck will be his butler forever. And uh, Orange said he wants to put the games all around the ring. Uh, so they'll put your heads through all of them. And Orange said, and then we will break you. So good idea for a gimmick match, uh, you know, thematically appropriate with how much this feud has been about arcade cabinets. And they put Chuck through a window here. So now they're going to put those guys through, you know, monitors or whatever as revenge. Um, people are going to be upset when they destroy vintage arcade cabinets, probably. But what can you do? Uh, and also good to play to Chuck's strength as a sneaky, good deathmatch guy and just keep putting him in these plunder situations. Uh, Aaron, have you ever played a uh, tabletop role-playing game like a White Wolf situation? No, I haven't. Well, no. that's not true. I had... Ooh, ooh. I had, yes. Uh, one summer... I can't remember if I was in college. I must have been in college, not law school. can't remember. But I was home for the summer, and I just had this, like, one or two, like, weird friends that I knew, like, in high school or whatever... Uh, but, you know, I didn't have shit to do. And they're like, hey, you want to come over and uh, hang out with us? And I was like, fuck, I guess so. And I <laughs> and I did. And they were playing. Aaron, 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 I'm sure we have a lot of listeners and or podcast co-hosts that have played tabletop role-playing games. Yeah, yeah. I feel seen right b now. Before you affect that voice, would you talk about your weird friends? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, no, guys. Now, keep in mind, 
I host uh, two wrestling podcasts. I do uh, the Patreon with you guys where we do a bunch of other podcasts. Uh, so, I mean, I'm a total fucking nerd. There's no doubt about it. But these guys were on another level, <laughs> just another level. And so anyway, turned out they were playing Dungeons and Dragons. So I think I did maybe twice play Dungeons and Dragons. Is that a tabletop role playing game? That's exactly Even? that's the that's the main one. Sorry, I'm I'm uh, actually I'm Josh Barnett. Yeah, I was gonna I say, wasn't sure you guys had ever heard of this game. It, it's quite an obscure game. You know, I'm kind of surprised that you would be able to take it all the way back to that. Okay, asked and answered. Okay, a fucking lawyer said that to me in a deposition today, and I was like, "Asked and answered." <laughs> yeah, were you, like, were you were you treading established ground? No, the witness wouldn't answer the question. Oh, you know, well, the lawyers love to do this, where it's like you ask a question and their witness like talks around it but doesn't answer the question. So then you're like, "Well, okay," but my question was, or at least that's what I do. I just yeah. keep repeating the question until they answer it the yeah. way I want them to, and it's like. Uh, objection asked and answered. Hmm. I just ignore it. I'm like, okay. And I just I'm like, okay, sounds good. And then I ask the question again. But... <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Sting came out uh, with Tony, of course, for the 500th week in a row. And he puts over Darby. He says, you, you have Darby's a dangerous man. You combine that with the stinger and a menacing location like the street. <laughs> And you I get, love, you I love Sting. He's so cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, as you all mentioned earlier, Lance Archer and Jake interrupted. Uh, they say they're not getting time. I mean, I feel like Lance Archer's on this show all the time. Yes. Yes. I so mean, that was dumb. And he just said they're going to take more time. Sting said Stanger. That no, Tony. Weird. Tony said Stinger. Yeah. No. no. Oh, oh, Jake. Jake said Stinger. Yeah. What did I? Did I say Jake? What did I, I think I you said Tony. Okay. He's, he's a Tony. I'm, okay. Okay. How's, how's the sequel? How's the sequel? I haven't had any. Ogan called this episode an AB on sequel episode, the episode of Dynamite. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It was tremendous. Yeah. It was. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and Sting said, Thanks, Tony. See you in the next one. <laughs> that, was, that was the best part of the whole segment. Is Tony's like, Same time next week, buddy. And just walks off. Got nothing else. That's perfect. Sting's cool. Sting also just has like an old school, like, oh shit what's what's the word he just has kind of like a yeah kind of vibe to him that works he's got a finger guns get vibe as yes. Mike was doing finger guns uh what's what's the what's the noun form of bombastic bombasticity mr he's got bombastic a, <laughs> he's got a he's got a bombasticity i don't think it's bombasticness bombasticity about him that's like you know, silly and old school wrestling, but you know, like he's just got the cool energy that makes it work. Uh, I mean, it's, just, and... it's just bombast. Oh, it is just bombast. Fuck. Yeah. That's the worst one yet. <laughs> uh, but just like him saying voila or whatever, it was like nobody else is saying voila. That was cool. <laughs> bombast. God damn it. <laughs> uh, our good friend Dasha is with QT and Lee Johnson. She asks him about, you know, the whole thing at the pay-per-view. QT says he's only human. His emotions got the best of him. He puts over Lee Johnson. And here's when the audio starts uh, to fuck up. Pretty funny. So we missed the end of this. And then uh, Ethan Page versus Lee Johnson. Ethan Page won with the ego's edge. Uh, completely dominated, at least for Mike and me, by NBA game sounds. Dun, uh, dun, then... dun, 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 dun. 
<laughs> dun, dun. Come on, topic. Come on, topic. I'm giving Nate the experience. Dun, yeah, so dun, and dun, then uh, Paige, of no course, beat down Lee afterward. Uh, QT didn't intervene. Dustin, uh, I'm just going to keep up this bit. They, they had at one point, I don't know who it was, but it was like, I'll just mouth sounds are back versus Spurs. So I'm just going to say it was like, Luca for three. That was pretty funny. Okay. Uh, Alex, so smart, what's the uh, noun form of unique? Uh, fuck, I don't know. All right. I'm not that smart, to be honest. Asked and answered. <laughs> unique. Hmm. You have two options, I think. Okay. <laughs> You want to tell me what they are? Well, it seems like you were looking them up, so I was. I, I was. I was. I was typing in "unique." Um. No, I. I. I nothing's. I even mean, coming I, up I think here. probably the more common one U is just uniqueness. uniqueness is yeah. what Merriam-Webster says. Also, seen Merriam-Webster defines uniqueness. Un uniquity. Uniquity. I was going to say that as a joke. I wasn't sure if that was a real word. I, I feel like that's the more highfalutin one and the one I prefer. Just reminds me of iniquity, which I think is a cool word. Oh, this guy likes inequity. Yikes. I do. A den of inequity, even. <laughs> uh, Alex Marvez is with Hangman, who's on a, a big riding lawnmower. Uh, he asks Hangman what he's doing with Matt Hardy's money. Matt Hardy says, these are all the things I could uh, remember. Whiskey, all, I think the entire Dwight Yoakam discography on vinyl is what he told us. Uh, this new lawnmower and a bunch of money to Jacksonville Public Education. Uh, John Silver asks if he's got more room on the lawnmower. Hangman invites him on. Uh, but they have a weight problem. They can't fit everybody. Uh, they're heading to get ice cream, but Alan Angels is left behind. Yeah, classic, uh, you know, employing the BTE bit of Alan Angels being the butt of the Dark Order jokes. Pretty cute little segment to keep these guys, uh, you know, uh, fun in everybody's minds. Do we think they actually made any sort of donation to, to Jacksonville Charities? Because they've made a storyline point of it, and it's pretty awkward to do that and not actually do it. So I thought about this. How do you? How does one donate to Jacksonville Public Education? Is that mm. a thing? Uh, the book fair, maybe. I mean, I most know, just, most public just like you just that, hand yeah. over like hand over money to your local public school. That just seems yeah. weird to me. Well, school, you know, schools would do like a bake sale, but of course True. they're not doing that now. So there must be some need for that kind of fundraising, which is not happening. So maybe there's just a PayPal account somewhere. Yeah, maybe. Let's see. Jacksonville Public Schools. Um, While you're doing that, in uh, in Japan, there was a thing. Uh, Japan has a issue with a lot of like the smaller rural towns like becoming depleted of right. populace. And, mm -hmm. you know, as people congregate to big cities uh, and so on. So a lot of them will have like sort of tourism uh, initiatives or try and do collaborations with like animes to be like hey come save our town because we're associated with this popular anime like detective uh, I, conan was one of the ones there you go uh and i saw one that was a town had partnered with some software company and singer to create their own vocaloid which is like their own hatsune miku uh and you could get exclusive vocaloid software and goods by donating to their public education fund and i was like Pan is, is something else, man. I, I saw uh, a liar's post that it was Miku Day. Was she referring to Hatsune Miku? 
she was referring to Hatsune Miku. She she did Lyris did post about like three other Miku things today. I don't, you you might have seen. I did see some Miku uh, content. Yeah, uh, Miku Day is is March nine because three nine is a pun that means Miku. Oh yeah, it is. That's correct. There you go. So that's Miku Day. Um, three nine also means thank you, right? It means what? Thank you. Like thank you, but with sank. San, yes. San, yeah. San Q, yeah, sure. There you go. Those are the I two puns that. for 39. There's a lot of those, a lot of days that are really just based off of puns in Japanese. Buddy, they love puns. <laughs> this is why I, th- I think I love uh, Japan so much. I also just, love puns. Just just a, a deep and rich culture of never-ending puns. <laughs> I did find that uh, there is the Jacksonville Public Education Fund. You, they have a donate button right here on this website. Okay. And you can also, part of it, uh, you can just donate to helping rename schools because they are renaming six public schools that honor Confederates. You can give now to help offset the costs. Oh, that's, that's, uh, I mean, you know, in a better world, they would not need to take funds for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, it would just be, you know, funded by the, fucking federal the, government the government yeah sure <laughs> um but that's kind of i mean tony khan should buy the naming rights to a school what the fuck yeah i mean yeah right? it, in a different world we would have a functioning state for sure uh but as we it need, is we need, we need all elite elementary come on oh, tony. that'd be great i mean let's just have hangman page elementary frankly <laughs> hey he's a teacher there you go yeah M- maybe adam page elementary yeah i think so we, we shouldn't uh rename confederate <laughs> schools into hangman <laughs> Tugging uh, my collar. Yes, I know you are. Okay. Um, do you think we adequately discussed this whole this whole thing that happened? What next? happened? Well, we had Tony out to introduce Christian Cage, but instead the sweepers came uh, out. No, we 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 didn't get any any of the Christian aspect of this. Okay, no Keiko in the sweepers, by the way, which I was very down on. Friend and follower of the show. Yes. Uh, so, but instead of Christian, we get, uh, Kenny Omega, Don Callis, the good brothers, uh, the big LG, uh, Don Gallows looking incredibly tan. Wow. And he's constipated. A he's a suntan biker man. <laughs> he is. Uh, also I'm getting ready to refer to another one of our friends, but, uh, I, I think it was Patrick Cosmos who said he looked brazed, <laughs> <laughs> but I realized that I, or we all like refer to our friends with regularity. And frankly, a lot of people listen to this podcast and probably have no fucking clue who some of these people are, but they right. don't ask us. So it's fine. Because <laughs> right. it, it never becomes our problem. <laughs> right. Never Sorry. crossed my mind before. Never Sorry. crossed my mind. I think about these things. Uh, so Callis says, I guess you're not going to hear from Christian. Uh, he says, since Christian is new, he should know that they call the shots around here, standing here with the King of the death match, Kenny Omega, and then they start doing the the explosion thing, you know, talking about that. Um, and then Kenny starts running down Eddie uh, for his part. So Eddie comes out. Uh, Callus, you know, goes at Eddie talking about how anytime Eddie gets close to something big, he always finds a way to screw it up, uh, just like he did at Revolution when you laid there and we laughed at you. And so uh, Callus says he likes Eddie, so he's going to give him 10 seconds to leave or he's going to get his ass kicked. And they say, uh, I know you're not real educated, so here's a countdown. And they do the actual countdown from Revolution, which I thought was very funny. Uh, the sirens hitting and everything. Uh, they lay down and do the 69 me doc <laughs> part. Um, 
and Doc. <laughs> Oh, wait, why did I write that? Doctor, doctor. I was thinking of Doc Gallows, maybe. Uh, I'm sure he said Doc. I'm surprised Doc Gallows didn't pile on. That would have been funny. (laughs) He's just the third guy. I gotta catch a kiz. Yeah, so he says, uh, you're standing here looking like a joke with four guys who can kick your ass. What do you hope to accomplish? Which I thought was an excellent line, honestly. Just a really good Kenny promo. He says, uh, so go ahead and do it. You don't have the balls, et cetera, et cetera. Eddie punches him. Good brothers attack. Mox make the save. But then uh, Christian comes out. He and Kenny get in each other's faces. Kenny offers him a hand. Uh, but Christian, uh, it's not clear that he's interested. Omega tries to cheap shot him. Almost eats an unprettier from Christian. The one move name that I know without having to ask anyone. Really? Yes. And uh, But Don Callis saves him. Christian picks up the title. Everybody, there's a lot of... Uh, moving parts with all these folks. Now, is that, is that because a Joshi has adopted the unprettier? That's a thing, right? Yes. Somebody well, does do the unprettier. And uh, I can't think of it. Nadoka Tema does it. it. And, but she calls it the kill switch. That's true. All true. The, the better name. It was the kill switch in the first place, right? Yes. The kill, it was well, the kill switch engage reference. It, it was originally the unprettier, then became the kill switch, but then they went PG and they turned it back to the unprettier, uh, I go. believe. I, I could tell was you. the better name. One yeah. of the worst finishers of all time. The Tamakaze, because it used to be Tommy Rogers' finisher, the Tamakaze. Looks very silly. Never liked it. Uh, JR was very confused by Christian's music, even though we saw it like four days ago. He really did not know what the hell was happening. Um, Somebody had a smart JR up. What do we think about Kenny Omega versus Christian as a dream match? I don't care about Christian at all, so I have no interest in it. I mean, Could Christian be interesting. Like, he he's like the he's like a contemporary of like Chris. He was you know I wouldn't call him a poor man's Chris Jericho during his time. He was like a mm-hmm. slightly less less rich man's Chris Jericho. And you know Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega was a genuine dream match a couple of years ago, at the beginning of this promotion even. Yeah, but Chris Jericho is like an actual legend in wrestling. I mean, Christian is like a guy who had a WWE run to me. Yeah, I mean. Y- y- you know, you look at that video of Soldier Boy naming the genuine wrestlers that he respects, and it's <laughs> no, really, it's like it's The Rock, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, it's John Cena, um, and then it's the Dudleys because they were the hot tag team when The Rock and Austin were on top, the Hardys because they were the other hot tag team, and the third one of those is Edge and Christian. So, I mean, uh, he's in that conversation. I guess part of this might now. I did not. I was not into Edge or Christian when they first showed up in WWF just was not interested. I was a brood guy for sure. Gang girl, obviously the, sure. who are the other members of the brood. No, but I like the other part of the brood. I liked your gang girl. I liked your Midian. That, they weren't the brood. That was the ministry. The brood. I'm was sorry. Gang- the ministry. Sorry. I was a okay. ministry guy. The brood uh, was gang girl, edge of Christian. That was yeah, the brood. that was it. Okay. I don't really remember, but just, I like gang girl. Let's all remember that. That's the important <laughs> part. So, but then I took this like pretty long break from wrestling starting in like i don't know oh three oh four somewhere there so i'm I'm saying i've missed a lot of christian's run that's what i'm also saying i i think that christian is good i think that he's had great matches he's been a part of matches that were at least instrumental in my becoming a deeper wrestling fan as a young person but him and omega it's interesting i wonder what kind of match it's going to be but I can't really say like this is something that I'm putting on my calendar and underlining for 
Double or Nothing or whatever their next big TV show is after the St. Patrick's Day Slam, Smash, uh, what do they call it? Slam, I was right the first time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just, the the way they presented it kind of made it feel like, oh, we think this is kind of a big deal match. Um, I can't really say they're wrong because, like I said, Christian is like right in that breath of that moment in wrestling. Uh, And then even, you know, he kind of bridged the gap with, like uh, Edge and Randy Orton from that generation to the establishing John Cena as the top guy generation. Um, and yeah, you know, he's he, like, like Chris Jericho and like, uh, I don't know, uh, Brian Danielson that followed him. He was like one of those original, like wrestling, like message board favorites, smart favorites, work rate kind of favorite guys. So, you know, he, he, he does fit in this promotion. I think. As long as he loses, it's fine. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to lose, and that's kind of why I'm like not at all worried about it. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got Britt Baker, Nyla Rose, and Maki Ito versus Hikaru Shida, Leo Mizunami, and Thunder Rosa. Uh, Rosa won. She pinned Ito with the Fire Thunder Driver. I guess that means Ito will be heading back to uh, Japan soon. Uh, after the match, Britt attacked Rosa with Vicky and Rebel, and uh, that would set up a match for next week's Dynamite. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the uh, I mean, I hate to say this, but the best part was the Maki Ito thing at the beginning yeah. of the match. I mean, she was so locked in her pitch. Come on. Tony she Schiavone. Tony Schiavone is like, when I reach Tony Schiavone's age in my field, I want to be as open to be like, hey, this is how things are now. And just like, just go along with it and having a great time. And like by proxy, almost made Jr. not sound like a curmudgeon for once. Like it, it was, it was a real like strong energy moment from everyone involved for for once. Like Jr. was not a fun police there. Yeah, the, the commentary for sure enhanced this and like you know called attention to how ridiculous it was in a positive way for it landing. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, Matt Hardy and Private Party were backstage. Hardy said he's been reflecting a lot the past few days. Uh, they need to bring more money in. So he signed a new unit, and it's uh, the Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny. And he says, the four of you are going to destroy four people on Elevation on Monday. Then the five of us are going to destroy Dark Order. What happened to TH2? Uh, I don't know. I guess they are Their services high somewhere. Couldn't yeah. make it. I was going to say their services have been complete as we saw uh, Jack Evans got the weed number money. Jack Evans was like on the pay-per-view a bunch too. And I don't really remember <laughs> what he did, but good, good to see that the butcher of the blade found a new mercenary landing place after Eddie Kingston just cut them, cut them off. You know, they, they don't seem to be very loyal to their uh, client. Capo? They're the yeah. capo because first it was MJF. And then they kind of bust from there. And then there was the whole thing with the bunny and QT Marshall. And then Eddie, like that was actually a pretty good run for them. And now they're with the Hardy party. We'll see how long this lasts. Apparently he only has money for another three weeks. So we'll see. Well, they, they have been consistent that MJF, they were mercenaries. The bunny was scamming QT for money and his credit card. Uh, and here they're just getting money from Matt Hardy. So the outlier there is really the, the Eddie Kingston family. So that, I mean, they could, they could, you know, more firmly establish that, hey, these people are mercenaries in, in the, you know, commentary or whatever. Next up was the TNT title match, Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky. Darby won with an inside cradle. After the match, Darby was doing the I respect you thing, 
uh, but Scorpio attacked him, locked in a heel hook for his heel turn. Uh, and then Scorpio did the infamous, why am I so violent hand sign? He did, ooh, I'm so violent, I like it. And I'm, I'm a heel now, even though I was a heel on TV last week or whatever. Uh, this was kind of exceeded my expectations because they had pulled out some nice little reversals and stuff. Seems like a lot of people were like, oh, Scorpio should win. And I think they're kind of crazy, right? <laughs> like, you should definitely continue to build Darby Allen as a big star. And also, you should not just hot shot a title change because you're you're bored for a week or whatever. That's like the worst possible thing you could do. Yeah, I thought this was an excellent match, honestly. And I didn't have uh, great expectations going into it, but I thought they did a lot of cool stuff. I especially loved that spot where I can't remember exactly how Darby had a hold of him, but the only thing Scorpio could do was headbutt him in the back. Uh, I thought that was very, like, just a good, like, usage of your whole body. That's something that annoys me in wrestling. Like, for example, somebody's in some sort of submission hold, and they could just punch the other person, but they don't do it for some reason. Yeah. That really irritates me. So I thought I really liked uh, that spot in this match. I guess my only thing is I know, you know, Darby is a guy that they always want to give, like, banana peel wins to, but it's like he can just beat Scorpio Sky, I think. Well, it's it's not a banana peel it's that he's a better wrestler he did a wrestling reversal and beat him with a pin that's, yeah it's, so just it's like a, him to hit his finisher and and beat him well uh, i mean they had they had too cool they had too cool of a reversal for his finisher to let him do it i think mm -hmm. um but that's i think that's just part of we're supposed to understand that darby is good at doing these flash reversals into pins or whatever and that's like not a cheap way to win a match that's a that's a that's valid, a talent yeah that's a talent and a valid way to win a wrestling match in a you know supposed sport or whatever yeah and, and, and it's something that with like this match it's he has to go with that because of how beaten down he was is he dips into his well of like he was third place in the idaho freestyle wrestling competition in high school and he's like shown an aptitude throughout his career for if not having flash pins being able to have pin holds down pat so it would make sense that he would tap into that reserve and going for the tk the tko he's like oh actually i could get this into an inside cradle and get out of here because i can't last much longer i think that actually shows a dimension to him that you don't see very often in north american wrestling so i thought that that was actually a really smart finish i thought i loved it i felt like that, that it added a lot to the match and adds a dimension that i felt like provides more of an impetus for sky for snapping because it wasn't that he lost by the by the coffin drop or the last supper he lost because darby scouted him out and took a chance and was able to find a hold there so i think it worked across the board yeah i hate yeah. finishes like this i think everybody knows that so i will that, continue to do that that was a uh, great points by mike uh and also this is perfect for darby's character where his whole thing is you know i'm smaller than you but i I'm tougher and more. He's resilient. taller than Scorpio Sky. That seems unlikely, but okay. They um, stood next to each other in the ring. Darby was taller. I don't, I don't, wrestling match. I don't watch the match. Um, but it, you know, I'm gonna. I'll survive you. I'm gonna be tougher. I'm gonna survive, and then I'm gonna find my opening and and, and beat you with what I'm good at. Uh, who shouldn't be doing that is Cody, who was doing that for a time. Cody is the guy who should be beating guys with the middle in his move. And being, you know, the dominant guy or whatever. So, yeah, it's a good good way to draw distinctions between your important characters. Inner Circle War Council up last. Um, did we cover this substantially enough? 
Yeah, I'm, 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 oh, uh, you know, also Scorpio, because he did the turn here, does like maintain his heat. It's not like he's dead now because at least he has a new progression to his character. That's the other thing. Yeah, to me, he's just like, wasn't alive in the first place. So it's like, I don't know that he needs to maintain his heat. It's just like, right. He's just no, Scorpio they, Sky. I don't know. They, he was, invis he was off television and invisible for a long time. And now he's got a foothold. So he's by no means killed by losing a, you know, pretty good match to the title holder. Yeah. Mike and I were talking about this morning. It's like they had times where they have heated up Scorpio for certain things. And like somehow he gets this big title shot when he feels like as cold as he's really ever felt in the company. So kind of strange. All right. Um, I mean, the only thing we didn't say, I think, was that they, well, no, you said Wardlow did his move. Yeah, he powerbombed Jericho off the off the stage uh, before they went, went dark on the show. So that was Dynamite. Uh, if you like this show, this show, Everything Elite, and you want to support it, best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. Subscribe. We have three tiers. You'll get all our audio on the $5 tier. The key to the $8 tier uh, primarily is that you get uh, this show live on Wednesday nights immediately after Dynamite. The archive stays up on YouTube, um, you know, indefinitely. So you can watch it or you can listen to it uh, all the way up until uh, it gets posted on our main feed. So that's fun. Uh, we do. We did our instant reaction show this past week for Revolution. That was a very fun show. Uh, I think you'll still get something out of that if you want to go back uh, and listen to it. Uh, we do Light, where Mike and I preview Dynamite. And uh, Nate gives us all the the hot vlog content. Uh, and we got plenty of stuff coming up the rest of the month. And if you're a new subscriber, we have a lot of new subscribers this month, as happens in pay-per-view months. Uh, make sure you join the Discord. Come hang out with us there. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Okay, patreon.com slash everything elite. Make sure you check it out. Uh, March 15th, Monday, AW Dark Elevation premieres with Paul White and Tony Schiavone on commentary. The matches we know so far, Jungle Boy versus Danny Limelight and uh, The Butcher and The Blade and Private Party, I assume, versus yeah, we, some other people. Yeah, we don't we, know yet, right? Yeah, we just know it's an Atomicos, yeah. Yeah, so what's uh, Mike? Let's have a production meeting here. Okay. On the, yeah, let's do it on the show. What What's our content coverage strategy for this AW Dark Elevation show? At the very least, I think for the first episode, I'm going to, I will have something for it. If you, and if, oh, it, yeah. if either of y'all want to hop in with me on that, because for for that, just because I'm interested in see what the format is, because they've like made it out to be like this is going to be a little bit more of like. Uh, established star versus newcomer personality packages so like I, I, I at least for the first one especially since this week will be the final episode of your old pals go big show fun time jamboree double size edition i'm gonna be doing both the last nice. of my final and the final tomorrow on that so yeah i, I i'm gonna do something for that like i'll okay. take care of that yeah so check that out on the patreon uh after uh the episode on on monday so that's cool i like that I'm trying to decide. I, I'm not sure, frankly, that I'm willing to watch two nights of YouTube content of extra wrestling matches. Probably going to pick one or the other I'm going to watch on a weekly basis. Can we farm this out? Didn't you say that Oatgan expressed some interest? Oh, there. Oh, that's true. We could just you bring somebody that. on. Was it Oatgan who said that? I think I think you said it. So Okay, good. Well, yeah, we could just bring somebody on to do this. Uh, 
maybe that's a good idea. So we'll we're gonna look into that. Uh, yeah, we're looking for looking for subcontractors. <laughs> you got to do a better job than the uh, ex- the people who did the explosion on Revolution. <laughs> yeah, th- third party uh, explosive ring people. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, and then next week on Dynamite, we have St. Patrick's Day Slam. Uh, Mox and a lot of just a lot of big matches on mm-hmm. this show. Uh, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus the Good Brothers, Cody versus Pentagon, Jurassic Express and Bear Country versus Matt Hardy, Private Party, and the Butcher and the Blade. Jade Cargill is in action. And the main event, a lights out, unsanctioned, anything goes match, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. I love this card. I think this, I'm really looking forward to this, at least on the outset. And, you know, with how much they've really built up Baker and Rosa, like this is a match that you know for like a blow-off main event and having it be like a lights out unsanctioned anything goes match fits the feud i think that that really rocks there now if anyone doing this special show especially right at the pay-per-view this is what i would go with so i think that that was a smart pick a smart piece of booking there i i'm looking forward to it there's still a lot of things that happen that there's no answer for so who knows if we're going to get a sixth match here but we could have a lot more storyline things as well Really looking forward to uh, Reba as Brit's little hardcore assistant, like rushing around the ring and like ferrying weapons and stuff to her for this. That's going to greatly amuse me. What's the What's the chance this ends up in a cage match? This feud? Yeah. Uh, well, this this seems like the big gimmick match, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I guess they the... did. They did do the big gimmick match before the parking lot brawl on on Dynamite, yeah. I think. Um, but that kind of didn't work. So I think if you're going to do a gimmick match, it should be a blow off. My my brain just works this way, but uh, from watching way too much uh, WCW, but it just seems to me that like Britt should win this because all her henchmen can help her, right? And then Rosa has to come out and be like, "I got to find a way to make sure it's just me versus you." Yeah. And you can do that on pay-per-view. Also. Yeah, makes sense. Um, they've only done the one cage match, and it was great. Yeah. Yeah, they, it's certainly not a step they've overused. Mm-hmm. So that's good. But yeah, I don't know. Just a thought. Of course, although I think people mention this every you know three weeks when something happens, but a lot of people suggesting that the, the five horsemen inner circle angle could go to a War Games match. I... Until they start touring, I can't see them doing this match. Like, yeah, that's... no war games until it's in front of fans. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. Well, anything else for us to cover tonight, gentlemen? Uh, no. I got nothing. I may should cut my thumb open while we're doing the show. I'm doing great. Oh, no. Yeah. Mike, you're not supposed to blade unless we get to 100 patrons, buddy. Well, they can't see it. So when we get to 100 patrons, they can see the blood. Like, I, I mean, I, I bleed real good, so it gets to 100. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Patreon.com slash Everything Elite. Uh, if you want to, I don't know, just read our tweets. They're at Everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Light the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. Mike is tasting his own blood right now, everyone. I just want you to know. I I, I mean, who has not tasted their own blood? Like, I don't feel like that that's like a weird thing for <laughs> no. someone yeah, to do. Normal thing to do. Yeah, okay. and it's like on the, it's right. on the bridge of my thumb, so like I'm trying to make sure I don't bleed everywhere on my desk. All right, uh, my, 
Garen, Garen here. AKA David Heath. <laughs> <laughs> get the goblet. We need to get a goblet, and then it's fine. Uh, uh, new and- debut Rosé single on Friday, so check oh. out your, your streaming platforms. That's right. I understand you have uh, obtained the vinyl. I already haven't obtained it yet, but you ordered it. No, pre-order the, the of course, limited edition vinyl. Um, yeah. But yeah, she set a, set a record for a solo artist pre-order numbers, uh, and we'll probably break half a million before it drops. Wow, what's what's the gimmick of the limited edition vinyl? Uh, they sell it to you for more money. Uh, they sell <laughs> no, I, they sell more of them. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is it a specific color? Oh, I don't. I don't think That's there's what a stand- I'm looking for in a vinyl. I don't think there's a standard edition vinyl. I think just the vinyl in general is limited. Okay, just hard to get a hold of the vinyl. I assume it's sold out. Uh, you know, I don't know that. Okay, uh, K Town for you probably the place to check uh, if you're okay. looking to get SB a gift here. Oh, that's a good idea. I hadn't thought about that. Hey, town for you with a with a four and a letter U. Yeah, I see, I see that now. That's a great idea. I should have done. See, when you mentioned it, I was like, "Oh, that sounds cool," but I was like, "No, I don't really need that." Uh, but I didn't think about the idea of buying it for Sarah. Very. There's a you know funny thing to K-pop where like it's all so fandom centric and like <laughs> organizing to boost your faves that you stand or whatever that. On K Town for you, they list the amount of sales underneath every product on there. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure Rose is the first item and it'll tell you how many of those they've sold directly uh, underneath it. Twenty three thousand four hundred and fifty eight. There you go. Be one of the the, the how, lucky twenty four thousand. How limited is this? Like I like I said, it's, you know, not there's no real genuine limit. I don't think they just sell it to you for more money. Uh, you know, I don't think they're making a, a another vinyl run. Is the only point. It's fifty bucks. That doesn't sound right. Uh, Maybe it is. Oh, well, I mean, the other thing about K-pop products is you're not buying it for the music at all. Like, it's two tracks. They just also pack in, like, you know, a, a jillion tchotchkes and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> I my, love this. Yeah, my Yukika album, like, came with, like, a fake passport that was, like, designed as her and, like, Polaroid. Photo cards. Yeah. 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 It says content package box and LP and will be announced later. <laughs> so they yeah. don't even know what's going to be in it yet. It's going to be oh, you get you know one of six photo cards and you get uh, you know miniature uh, photo book and all these other things. What do you guys think? I mean, uh, SP doesn't really care about vinyl, but do you think she'll just <clears throat> think this is cool? I mean, it's uh, neat to see I one. Imagine. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can also just get the. There's also like three configurations of the CD version. Hmm. Much to consider. Very two, two of which are probably also considered a quote-unquote limited. Yes, I'm sure. Okay, well, I'm going to think about that uh, as I prepare to go to bed after this episode. As the sequel kicks in, I will be thinking about what Rosé <laughs> item to buy for my wife. So, uh, please help me buy this vinyl by heading to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribing at the highest tier, please. All right, for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.